0: You are sons, not victims, right? And today we hear that we are not children of the moon. We are not lunar people. We aren't lunatics. We are children of the light, children of the day. Of course, we're used to that, right? We've been Christians, some of us our whole lives, and for some of us, that's a lot longer than for others. Uh, But Jesus has been shining on the world for, what, 2,000 years. It's been a long day. I want to remind you of the shift, though, the turn from darkness to light, because even when we are living, no matter how long you've lived in the light of Christ, there is always a temptation to go back to the shadows, to go back to the darkness. The moon, we can put it this way, the moon always has a certain kind of appeal to it. Take St. Peter. Peter was a child of the night. You heard him put it this way, Master, we've been toiling all night. Peter was a child of the night, just like all fishermen were. Every fisherman, this was common practice. You didn't work during the day. This practice of fishing at night was more profitable, right? Because you could catch more fish at night. And not only was it more profitable, but it was also more efficient. And what do we love more than efficiency and profit, right? It's the American dream. High efficiency, high profit. That sounds good. And so the fishermen over time on the Sea of Galilee had passed on this wisdom, this knowledge that if you wanted to succeed as a fisherman, if you wanted to make the most of it on the Sea of Galilee, you didn't fish under the sun, you fished under the light of the moon. I don't exactly know why. I'm not much of a fisherman myself. You can read commentaries and they'll tell you, you know, how that's when the fish would pool in the shallows and so you didn't have to throw your net into the deeps, you could just do it in the... I don't know why, but the point is, this is what every fisherman knew. It was passed on from generation to generation to generation. Father taught son, taught grandson, taught great-grandson, on down the line. Fishermen were children of the night. And that gives us a pretty good idea of what was going on in Israel, too, because the Israelites as a whole were kind of children of the night. When God called Abraham out of Ur and he gave him his great promise, you remember what he, t- what he said to Abraham? Abraham was kind of wondering, hey, God, you know, you promised me a whole bunch of children, but I ain't got none. That's exactly what he said. Grammar, right? He said, I don't have any children. And the Lord said, come outside and number the stars, so shall your children be." The Israelites then were starry people, and not only were they starry somehow, but also the moon. The lunar calendar was what governed the people of Israel and their worship. If you wanted to know when the Passover was, you had to pay attention to the moons. It was in the first moon, on the 14th day of the first moon. And their whole life, their whole festival, their full calendar was determined by the moon. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? Just like there was nothing wrong with fishing at night. It was expected. It was passed on from generation to generation to generation. The people of Israel were like the stars. They were like the moon. And that light was supposed to shine out into the dark world. So you may remember how when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, when he would appear to the people of Israel after he had been in the tent of meeting, do you remember how his skin shone? He was like a moon, right? He was like a moon shining on God's people. There was nothing wrong with that. It was good for its time. There is a beauty of the moon and there is a beauty of the stars. But when the sun shines, it puts all of them out, doesn't it? When the sun comes, we no longer look at the constellations. We no longer say, which phase of the moon are we in? No, we live under the light of the sun. In the beginning, when God created, he could have just made it sunshine all the time, right? But in his wisdom, the Lord determined that there would be times of darkness and times of light. And kind of interestingly, it says in the book of Genesis that when the Lord God made the light on that first day, let there be light, it says that he saw that the light was good. But it doesn't say anything about the darkness. Now, the darkness was good. Everything that God made was good. But it's worth noting, the Lord did not say, man, this darkness is good, did he? The Lord intends for you to have light light to have clarity about who he is about who you are about what your calling is in life he does not want you to be dependent on the moon which waxes and wanes he wants you to he wants you to have the light of the sun that is what God calls good we can see this in the life of Saint Peter what did he say master we've been working all night and he said just what Abraham said We ain't got nothing, (laughs) right? We've been working all night. We've been toiling under the moon, Lord Jesus, and we have nothing to show for it. Same was true for Israel, by the way. Peter represents his nation just perfectly. If you looked around Israel at the time of St. Peter, at the time when Jesus stood in that boat, and you looked to those things that should have given light to the people, if you looked to the temple, you'd see corruption, If you looked to the priesthood, the ones who were supposed to be the teachers of Israel, they were supposed to be the stars that shone, you would find all kinds of bribery, all kinds of deceit, all kinds of evil. And if you looked to the king, right, you'd see King Herod. And I don't know if you know this, but King Herod wasn't even descended from David. There was nothing all that bright going on in Israel. Their king, King Herod, traced his lineage back to Esau. Can you believe it? That might not mean all that much to us, but if you were living in Israel and your king was from Esau, not Jacob, that would really tick you off. It was a dark time, is my point. It was dark for Peter. It was dark for Israel. And we know something of what happens in the dark, don't we? There's a reason that the Lord God didn't say that darkness was good. See, darkness hides things, doesn't it? And in the dark, in those hidden places, creepy stuff starts to happen. Little kids know this, right? Under the bed, in the closet, that's where the monsters are. You don't have to be a little child to know what I mean. It's in the dark that evil things proliferate. It's good that God gives us a sense of shame, isn't it? We should have a sense of shame. And so when other people are watching us, when other people are looking over our shoulder, when the boss is in the room, the employees are model employees, right? When the HR guy is watching, everybody's doing their job. That's good. But when the darkness comes, when nobody's watching, what happens? Scripture tells us, right, that the works of darkness are works that are unprofitable, unfruitful. They're like empty nets. Here's what St. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5. He says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. And if you want a list of what those unfruitful works of darkness are, Paul is happy to give it to us. He says it's things like this, fornication, uncleanness, covetousness, filthiness, foolish talk, coarse joking. Those are the kinds of things that multiply in the dark. And you don't have to be St. Peter working under the moon. You don't have to be Israel living at a time when the temple is corrupt to know exactly what he's talking about. You have only to consider your own life and what happens when you think that nobody's watching you. What is it that happens? Well, under the guise, under the cover of the dark, the, the wickedness of the heart multiplies. How many of you would like to come forward this morning and rehash for us all the thoughts that you've had this morning and this week? Would any of us jump and thrill at the idea that everyone would scrutinize us this morning? Probably not, right? I'm not going to ask any of you to do it. It's good that God covers our minds. It's good that you can't always see what's going on behind my eyes. It's good that we keep things to ourselves. But let's not be foolish and think that God doesn't see. Let's not suppose that we can actually hide from him. He sees in the dark just as he sees in the light. And scripture is full of this description, that it is in the dark where the works of evil happen. Those who get drunk, St. Paul says, get drunk when? At night. The night is the time of spiritual sleep. And in spiritual sleep, the devil has a playground. Jesus puts it this way, everyone who does wicked hates the light because because in the light our works become evident and so we kind of prefer the darkness don't we we kind of like to suppose that we can hide everything not just from each other but somehow there's some part of my life there's some part of my heart that Jesus can't see he can only see the good stuff that's not how it goes of course but we think this way And so, like empty-netted Peter, and like empty Israel, we often sit in the darkness with nothing to show for it except guilt, with nothing to show for it except shame, because after all, what do the works of darkness, what do these works of evil actually produce in our lives? It's nothing we're proud of. It's nothing that we write home about and say, Hey, Mom, let me tell you what happened last night at 11 o'clock at night. The works of darkness are things we are embarrassed by, and rightfully so. They are things that we want to keep in the dark. But see, Jesus brings a new day. Jesus brings a new day for Peter, for Israel, and he brings a new day for you. And that means some things are going to be exposed. That's what happened to St. Peter. Did you hear that? I wish that I could have been in the boat to hear that little exchange between Peter and Jesus, right? Just picture the scene with me this morning. Jesus is out there preaching, right? He's turned the boat into his pulpit. By the way, that's why we put the ship right here. He turns the boat into his pulpit so everybody can hear him. And then he finishes his sermon. And of course, the people don't immediately leave, right? They're not racing the Methodists to lunch, so they're probably still watching, Right? They're probably still watching, and they can see Peter and Jesus out there. And Jesus says to Peter, all right, go into the deeps. And Peter says, um, Jesus, they're still watching. Do you really want everybody to see this? Do you really want everybody to see you tell me to go out into the deeps and to do this thing that goes against every generational wisdom piece of advice that's been handed on? Jesus, do you really want everybody to see In the full light of day, how foolish this is. Don't you think that thought was in Peter's mind? Master, we toiled all night and we don't have anything. Do you really think you know better? Do you really think, Jesus, that going out into the deeps is the best thing to do right now while everybody's watching? Do you really think, Jesus? And I imagine Jesus just staring back at him. And so he does it. At your word. At your word, Jesus, I'll do it. And so Peter risks his reputation. He risks the reputation of Jesus, and he actually obeys. Can you believe it? He obeys Jesus, even though it goes against every fiber of his being to go into the deep, to throw the nets into the deep water. He says, all right, Jesus, let's give it a shot. At your word, I will do it. And then the nets team. And then the nets team and the boats are so full of fish that they start to sink. Because do you see, do you see that in the light of Jesus, there are fish. In the light of Jesus, his commandments do not bring you shame. His commandments do not bring you regret. His commandments do not bring you guilt, but they bring you good things. In fact, the good things are so much, right, that they're overwhelming, Quick, come on, James and John. Quick, come on, fill up your boat. And the boats are all sinking down. You know, it's kind of like somebody said somewhere. Good measure, pressed together, shaken down, overflowing. This is the way that it is in the light of Jesus. See, as wonderful as the light of the moon is, as great as it is to be a star in the night, it is even better to live in the light of Jesus. But that light of Jesus reveals things doesn't it? That light of Jesus showed something to St. Peter and so you heard what he said, right? You heard him in astonishment realize something about himself. Lord, compared with you, I am a sinful man. You better stay away from me. Lord Jesus, in the light of your face, in the light of your glory, in the light of your brightness, I see what I really am. I see myself perfectly. I know that there's nothing hidden from you, Jesus. I know you know the thoughts of my heart. I know you know my entire history. You better leave me alone, Jesus. The light of Jesus does reveal that, right? It does show you who you really are. And some of those things are not pretty. The light of Jesus will convict you. The light of his word will show you, you know what? You don't have it all together. There are plenty of things in your life that are dark, that are creepy, that should be left under the bed, that should be left in the closet. But, But notice well that the light of Jesus does not only reveal that. Lord, I am a sinner. Peter says, you better leave me alone. You better have nothing to do with me. And Jesus looks right back at Peter and he probably stared at him just like he stared at him when Peter was saying, Lord, are you sure? Fear not. You think I don't know that about you, Peter? you think Jesus doesn't know what you get up to? Do you think you can hide anything from him? Do you think there's some thought that you've ever had that would surprise Jesus if you told it to him out loud? Think again. In the light of Jesus, everything is wide open. And that's kind of scary but he doesn't run away from your darkness. He doesn't run away from all those creepy things that go on in your heart and in your mind. In fact, he says it's precisely why he's come, to drive away the darkness. Fear not, Peter, fear not, dear friends. Our Lord Jesus has not come to blast us away with his light. He has come to draw us deeper into that light. The fruit of light, St. Paul says, is found in all that is good and righteous and true. The fruit of light is that there is thanksgiving. The fruit of light is the works of love, the work of faith, the work of love, the work of hope. Jesus says everyone who comes to the light is shown for what they are. Not only the wickedness, but also those who have carried out their works in God. You are not children of the darkness. You are not children of the moon. You are children of the light. Jesus has brought a new day. It was a new day for Peter. It was a new day for Israel. And it is a new day for you as well. Every day that begins with Jesus is a day to live in his light. And what you find in the light of Jesus is that at his word, there are fish. At his word, the nets are full of fish. Do you think that's only true for Peter? Do you think that, you know, there's some command of Jesus that if you follow, if you actually do what he says, that you're going to say, oh man, that was a huge mistake. Look, I got nothing good out of it. No, Jesus' commands are for your good. His commands are for your profit. His commands are for you. And not only that, but Jesus says that in his light, there is a new calling for each and every one of us right we could apply these words of jesus to any of our callings right are you a father a mother a husband a wife a son a daughter a worker a boss are you a member of a congregation are you a pastor we could each take these words of jesus and say all right in my vocation i should do everything at the word of jesus he shouldn't be a last bet right when everything else fails then we'll turn to jesus we go to jesus first his word is light. Everything else is darkness by comparison. Don't make Jesus your last, your last chance. Make him first. But also, Jesus says, you're part of something new now. Isn't that what he told Peter? From now on, you will be a fisher of men. And that is still the case for all of his Christians. Everyone who has the light of Christ is called to take part in this new mission. Now, in the mission of Jesus, not all our preachers, not all our hearers, not everyone gets to steer the ship, not everybody pulls the oars. There are a diversity of gifts in the church. But all of us, right? each and every one of you, is to take your part in this new mission. And it's nothing short of this, to let the light that Christ has shown in your life shine out for others. Because here's the great thing, right? Peter went from catching fish for death, that's what you do with fish, to catching men for life. We are called to share in that mission. We are called to man the ship. We are called to take up our part in something that doesn't just last for 35, 45, 55 years. We are called to take part in something that makes an eternal difference, to make known the glory of him who has called us out of darkness into his light. So let the light of Christ shine in you. Let it shine on every part of you. Let it drive away the works of darkness and let your life be guided by his word because at the word of Jesus, there are fish in abundance. To him be the glory now and always. Amen.